Morning, everybody. Morning. Hey, glad you guys are with us today. We are on week number two of a series that we're doing on a teaching of Jesus from Matthew chapter six, on the, it's, which contains the Lord's Prayer. So we're doing the series on it. One of the one of the areas in the life of our church we're trying to grow in and we're trying to get better at is to become more and more a people of prayer. And so we started out last week uh, kind of talking about that, and uh, we're going to take the next step and look at the next line. Uh, in the prayer this morning. I want to start out, though, with a story uh, from an, an author and a pastor like Erwin McManus. He's out in, uh, in California. He, t- he tells this. He shares a story about being a new believer, and uh, he's probably in his late teens, early 20s, kind of college age, that kind of thing, living out in L.A., and he just had stumbled into the amazing grace of God, right? He had discovered a new life in Christ, kind of stumbled into it. Somebody had shared with him about Jesus. He'd opened up his heart and his life to Christ, and everything changed. And, I mean, suddenly there was life that was just, you know, shining off him, and everything. I mean, things are just going good for him. Everything's not perfect, of course, but, like, he's just, he's found life and hope and discovered the fullness and the joy that comes only from Christ. And so he wants every person that he comes across to meet Jesus like he has met Jesus. And so he's out one day on this college campus, and he's just sharing with people, talking with people, loving on people, serving people, whatever he can do. He's like, I'm in, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and he happens to run across this, this uh, young woman on the campus, and uh, she had made a commitment to Christ earlier in life, but she was kind of beat down. She was discouraged. Uh, there had been some, some things that uh, hadn't gone her way, and so she was about ready to go back into her old lifestyle. She was, she was contemplating, thinking, you know, I mean, I just am not feeling Jesus anymore, is kind of what she was saying. She's like, you know what, I, I think I'm going to go back and move in with my boyfriend again and just sort of go back to the way things were before. And, uh, <laughs> and McManus just instinctively, again, like a, maybe a 20-something-year-old, said, he said this, he said, if there's anything God can do to prove his love for you, tell me and he'll do it. <laughs> and so this young woman was like, well, she's like, that if, if God will prove his love for me in any way he wants, she says, I want it to snow. So she says, in L.A., right? She's like, well, he's like, well, then God's going to do it. And then he, he had this panic moment in his own soul and in his own heart. He's like, what have I done? And so he, he, he kind of came back and softened a little bit and said, in the next 24 hours, right? God will make it snow in the next 24 hours. Uh, he went back to his room. Again, he, at this point, sweat starting to pour down his face. He's thinking, what have I done? He goes back. He hits his knees as soon as he gets to the room, just falls uh, down on, beside his bed and just starts praying. said, God, was that you? It, you know, I hope it was you. If it wasn't you, could you sort of adopt the idea? Because I just sort of went on record and promised this girl that you were going to make it snow. And he's like, so God, I'm asking you. You can do anything. You're a big God. You are, you're the creator. Would you speak and make it snow? And he's praying and praying and praying. Ends up falling asleep on his, kind of hunched over his bed praying. And about an hour later, his roommate comes in and says, you're not going to believe this. There's this crazy girl out in the quad, out in the middle of campus. And she's going around telling people, Jesus is going to make it snow for me because he loves me. He's like, you're not, she's told everybody, the whole campus knows. And of course, I mean, again, McManus is sort of like, oh crap, (laughs) what what have I done? And and his roommate said, but you wouldn't believe what just happened in LA. He pulls back the curtains and it's snowing. True story, by the way. It's snowing. 
I hear stories like that, and I'm, it, I'm amazed, right? It's, it's cool. Uh, I've seen stuff like that happen before. And, and I'm sharing the story not because I think this is a great evangelistic strategy, right? Because I don't know that that's necessarily the best way to go about it. But I'll tell you what, there's something I love about the story as well. Something about the audacity of his ask, of, of the confidence that he has. That like, hey, I have a God that answers prayer. He delights in giving good gifts to his kids. And so his knee-jerk reaction almost, even though it's a little maybe over the line or whatever else, but his knee-jerk reaction is just ask for anything. God will do it. And there's something so right about that. Sometimes it seems like uh, we distance ourselves a little bit. The longer we've kind of been Christians, maybe the more prayers uh, that we've offered that God hasn't answered and it's kind of embittered our hearts a little bit. Sometimes our, our faith has just sort of cooled down a little bit. Maybe we feel like we've grown up, right, spiritually. But something happens and we quit asking like that. We quit praying like that. We quit having that kind of confidence that God will answer. And I think somewhere along the line, we've lost it a little bit. And maybe we need to get back to Again, that kind of confidence. Is God going to answer every prayer that we pray like that? Not necessarily, right? I mean, sometimes he'll say no because he knows better. But, man, there's, there's something awesome uh, about that. So today, I, I just want us to kind of zero in on that. We're going to talk a little bit more about prayer. We're going to talk about asking some audacious sort of prayers of God, coming, coming back to that kind of thing. And just remembering that we have a God and a Father that's crazy about his kids, that delights in answering prayers, that delights in drawing us close, that delights in, in pouring out his love and his grace and his mercy and his presence and his power on his kids when they seek him. And so that's kind of where we're going today. We're going to continue uh, in, our passage, in our passage and uh, dig in a little bit more. If you've got your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. We're going to read through it. There will be on the side screens too if you don't have your Bibles with you today. But I love, I don't know, there's something about that I love. I can remember moments uh, for me where I would, would pray some audacious sort of prayers like that. I can remember uh, I'd been a believer for probably uh, maybe less than a year uh, when I ended up praying out loud that my atheistic roommate <laughs> would encounter Jesus right then, that God would show himself to him in such a way that it was undeniable. I can remember praying that. In, in hindsight, you look at it like, I can't believe you prayed that out loud when he was in the room. <laughs> right? And yet God, God opened up his eyes at that moment, and he saw Jesus, and he, came, he became a Christ follower at that moment. It's, it's, God does stuff like that, and somehow we've kind of got to get back to that place where we are believing again, when we're asking again, when we're praying again, when we're reminded that we serve a God who can do anything, a God who delights in answering the prayers of his people. Okay, so last week we talked about, um, we, we started with verse 5, and we're going to kind of read through this. We talked about prayer. This is the setup that Jesus gives to the Lord's Prayer, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and then we're going to get back to sort of praying some of these untamed prayers and right-sizing God. Uh, in our prayer lives. Starting in verse 5, we'll, we'll just kind of walk through it. Jesus says this, and when you pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites, uh, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, he says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be hurt because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows that what you need before you even ask him. All right, so that's kind of what we talked about last week. And we kind of summarized it like this. We said prayer is not a show, we said, first of all. right? It's not something we do for others. If, if we are spending so much time worrying about how others are going to perceive what we pray, then all, in all honesty, we're probably not praying. Because prayer is focused on God. It's focused on the Father. It's about who he is and who we are. It's about coming to him. And so we said prayer is always focused and directed at him and to be honest, probably the more we grow in this, the more we're a little bit oblivious to those, those that are around us, right? Because we're praying to him. We're locked in with him. We said prayer is not a show. Neither is it, we said, a system was the second thing. It's not some sort of a formula where if I pray or I say these words or I call him these names or I do all these right things, that then he's going to answer my prayer like, like saying abracadabra or something like that. Hocus pocus, poof, and then God will do what I want. It's not like that, right? We're saying it's not like a show. It's not like a system, but we said prayer really rightly understood is a relationship. Four times in five verses, uh, God, uh, Jesus says, no, we, you don't understand. It's not like that. It's not a formula. It's not a transactional thing for God to give you what you want. It's about a relationship. Four, four times in five verses, he says, no, when you come to him, come as, recognize him as Papa, as Father, as Daddy. Come to him like you would a good and perfect dad who loves you and wants what's best for you. Will, will, will your dad give you good gifts? Of course. But that's not really what it's about, right? He's not primarily going to just be a genie in a lamp, just feeding you whatever you want. It's about a relationship that you have back and forth. He wants to pour out his love on you. He wants you to do life together. He wants you to, you have to pass on his wisdom and his counsel to you. He wants to give you life and all the good stuff that comes with it, right? relationship, we said. Prayer isn't a system. It's not, it's not a show. It's primarily a relationship with a good, good father, one that cares for you, one that loves you with, his, with a never-ending never love, excuse me, a God that is for you, a God that knows everything about you and yet loves you right where you are. The Bible teaches us that he loves this kid. He delights in you. He rejoices over you like a, like a father who rejoices over their child with singing, right? I love that. Or I was reading uh, in Isaiah 49 yesterday, not to change the metaphor, but I just thought this is such a cool picture. I love it. Uh, God says, you might feel like I've abandoned you, he says to his people, but can a mother forget a nursing baby on her chest? He says, even if that were possible, I will never forget you. I will never forget you. I've engraved you on the palm of my hand. I've tattooed you there. You are always before me, and I love you, and I know you, and I want you. I'm seeking. I will never forget you. I will never abandon you or betray you. I'm like a good, good father. I delight in my kids. When you come to him, he says, come and call me daddy. Call me father. Call me Abba. Come and share what's on your heart. Come and talk to him and listen to him. Come and be with him. Be in relationship with him because that's what he wants from you and for you. It's a relationship, not a formula, not a show. Relationship. Let's keep going. We're, this is where we're going to kind of focus in today. Verse 9 uh, through 13. I'll read all of it. We'll zero back in on the first part. 
Jesus goes on then and says, it's not a show, it's not a system, it's a relationship. And then he says, this then is how we should pray. Now, I'll just stop and say, he doesn't say this is what you should pray. Like, these are the exact words. Recite these from, you know, to wrote over and over and over again. That's, that's not what he says. Jesus says, these, this is kind of the way you should pray. This is how you can pray. It's a model for how we can grow in our relationship with God, of how we can connect with our Father and talk to our Father. This, then, he says, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus teaches his followers to pray. He's saying, you know, do you want to have a vibrant relationship with God? Do you want to know God the way I know him and have a relationship with him the way I have a relationship with him? If so, he says, then, then here's what I want you to do. When you pray, I want you to pray these kinds of prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's what we're focusing in on today, just that, that one line. Let me start out with a couple, just a, a, a quick kind of simple observation. But as Jesus is sort of teaching his followers and teaching us to pray here, the, thing that, the, the first thing that stands out to me is he starts with God. Meaning, he starts out by praying, and the, his, the first four lines of the, uh, of the passage are focused on God and not just his request. Now, can I just say, so often... Is that the way we pray, or is it kind of the opposite, right? Like, so often when we pray, what do we do? We're like, God, you got to help me with this, and you got to do this, and I want this, and I need this, and I want whatever. And of course, is that good? Is that, is that prayer? Yes, that's part of prayer. But he says, boy, when you start out, before you get there, right? Before you get to the, I need, 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 right? He said, before you get there, just start out and remember who you're praying to. Would you set your gaze and your heart on him and, and proclaim and, and worship and remember who it is that you are praying to. Remember who is this God that you're praying to. Again, honestly, I think most of the time our prayers start out with us, with me. And we come with our laundry list of, of things that we want and that's a part of prayer. We'll get to that a little bit later uh, in a couple of weeks here. And our good father knows what we need. He cares. Right? He wants to hear from us, so it's, that's, that's good stuff. But the first lot, four lines of the prayer are all about God. Jesus is reminding us who we are praying to. Prayer always reminds us of who God is and who we are if we do it right. It reminds us of who God is and who we are. And so Jesus starts out and says, when you pray, pray to your Father. Set your heart and your eyes on him. Remember who he is. Remember, you're praying to Papa, right? the one that delights in you and loves you and, and, and made you for a relationship with him. He's your father, and not just your father. He, he says, when you pray, remember, we're praying to our father. It's a kind of a communal kind of thing. So we are a part of a, a bigger story and a bigger uh, thing called the church, right? All believers in Christ. Says, when you pray, pray to our father, the one, the one that is father of all of us. But he doesn't stop there. He says, pray to our Father in heaven. And that's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a reminder that, yes, he's like a father, but he is much, 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 much bigger than that, right? He's a big God that we're praying to. He's the one that spoke and everything came into existence. The one who is present, who is powerful, the one who is close and intimate and loving like a father. 
but at the very same time is strong and wise and powerful too. Let's keep going because this gets unpacked a little bit more in the next phrase. So he says, when you pray, pray like this. Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but do, do, we, do you go around using the word hallowed very much? <laughs> Is that like one of those things of like, how you doing today? I'm hallowed. How about you? You know, like I, it's not something we actually use in our culture. It's a word that's, that's uh, kind of outdated, if you will. So let me talk about that. Break it down a little bit. It literally means holy. It means uh, Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Now, I'm not sure that word is much better, so I'll keep going. But, but this is kind of what he's getting at. Literally, it means, uh, our Father in heaven, you are set apart. You are complete. You are unique. You are different from us. You are separate and better and perfect. And without limitation, without blemish of any kind, you are God. You are above us. Your name is holy. You're greater than us. You're smarter than us. You're better than us. You are more powerful than us. Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, I don't know about you, but I can be a bit of a control freak at times. <laughs> I, uh, I like to think that I can sort of order my world and get stuff done. My need, I'm, I'm an activator, right, which, which means uh, if I see a problem before me, I want to go fix it. I want to do something about it almost all the time, right? If, if, you, uh, if you say, uh, hey, we're having a financial problem, I'd be like, man, let me help you fix it. In fact, I, can we just go on record and say, I think men, we're kind of hardwired up that way, a lot of us. This is, uh, maybe it's a stereotype, but I think it's fairly true. Uh, it, men, by nature, a lot of times are fixers, right? We want to fix things. And, and uh, wives and those that are in relationship, girlfriends, whatever, all know this about us because even, even if you're, like, you're explaining, I've got this situation going on in my life, even if we know nothing about it, we'll try and fix it for you, right? Even if we have no idea how to, oh, well, I got three things I think you should do. You know, kind of thing. You're like, what? We are, by nature, sort of fixers. We want to go out and fix things and take care of it on our own. And I think part of the problem is that at its very core is that prayer is recognizing our weakness. It's recognizing he is God and we are not. It's recognizing he is strong and I am not. It's recognizing he is the one that holds all power, the only one that can really fix things. And we come to him on our knees saying, God, would you come and intervene? I can't fix it. I need you. But so often, I, I heard this quote this week. Let's, let me see if I can find it. I'm jumping all over the place. But uh, let me see if I can find that quote. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. It says, faith is when you stop fixing and start praying. And I thought, oh, don't tell me that, right? Faith is when you start fixing and start praying. And of course, this, uh, I'm not saying that, hey, in order to be a Christ follower, you have to be uh, totally passive, right? Just sit back and pray. You don't have to do anything. Don't go to work. God will just take care of you. Don't, don't do it. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I remember hearing one time, uh, you can do more than pray after you pray, but not before. Does that make sense? And I just think so often our knee-jerk reaction is never to go to God. It's just to take care of it on our own. We just, we just start, start trying to fix it ourselves. And therefore, we miss out on so much that God wants to do. That's my challenge anyway. Because too often when I'm struggling, let's say financially or with kids or with church stuff or whatever, my knee-jerk reaction is to try and fix it. 
And yet so often what is needed is for us to stop, for us to bow before God, turn Godward, and cry out for him to bust in. Because he is holy. He's separate. He's different from us. He's better than us. He's stronger than us. Rather than me saying, I've got this. I'll fix it. I'm in control. In some ways, rather than saying, I am hallowed, <laughs> we need to stop and say, no, God, in reality, you're the strong one. You're the powerful one, and I need you. Here's a question that I think kind of comes up in the midst of it. Those problems, if you're like me, if you sort of wrestle with, with wanting just to take care of stuff on your own and do it yourself and fix it and all this kind of stuff, here's the question that I've been wrestling with. These problems that we're trying to fix, why aren't you trusting them to God? Why are we so slow to God's feet and so quick to ours? You know, why are we so quick to fix it? And sometimes things that we know, I mean, the, we, when we pick those things up, you can feel the weight of it on your shoulders and on your souls weighing you down further and further and further and further. And what we need to do more than anything is to cast our cares on God, right? To say, God, I can't do it. You are God. Would you take the way? Would you, would you bust in? Would you intervene? Holy is your name. You're the strong one here. You're the big one. I need you. Faith is the moment you stop fixing and you start praying. That's where our relationship with God begins to come alive and to flourish. When we right-size God and see him for who we, he really is and also right-size ourselves and say, you know what? I'm smaller and less powerful than I think. And I need you. Jesus says, when you pray, would you pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name and may you be seen and recognized and lived out by us as what you truly are, holy and perfect and powerful and without limit. That's the God that we pray to. One who is both Father, right, who loves us and is close to us and is compassionate towards us, but also who is holy, who is powerful and full and complete and perfect. Jesus says when you pray, pray like that. Set your gaze on God like that. Worship God like that. Remember who it is that you're praying to. And I think there's a couple of different reasons for this, a couple of different reasons for starting out our prayer time and remembering and worshiping God for who he is. And the first one is this. First thing is that we become aware of his presence when we do that. This happens to me all the time when I start praying. Uh, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times I'll start out and I'll, I'll try to spend some time worshiping or adoring God for who he is. Right? I'll spend out some time sort of like, I mean, just following the example of Jesus and the Lord's Prayer. Right, God, we thank you that you're Father, right? that you're powerful, that you're sovereign, that you're in charge, that you're good. And, it, and I'm going quickly now, but I'll just kind of stop and just, just pray some of those things. God, you're the one that's outside of time. You know what's coming up in my day. Right? You're bigger than me and strong. You're, you're the one that spoke and everything came into being. You're a healer. You're the provider, the one that provides not only financially, but provides for things that we need in our souls and in our hearts. You are I am. You're the one that is all and in all. And kind of go you just spend some time doing that. And when that happens, almost every time, I mean all of a sudden, suddenly the more I start to 
gaze on him. I start to lift my eyes off of the stuff that I'm all frantic and whatever about. And I start looking at him and I start calling it out. Sooner or later, I start sensing his presence with me. I start sensing his peace. Uh, you guys have heard me, maybe you mentioned this before, but I'll start sensing maybe even his smile and his joy on me. And I'll start, my, my stress level goes way down and uh, and all of a sudden, I start knowing his peace and his presence. Why? Because there's a God that is way bigger, way better than me, than his presence. He's the one that is able to save, the one that is able to work, the one that is able to bust into my life and provide whatever, right? I mean, that's good stuff. And it's sort of a biblical principle. We see this lived out in the Bible. I was thinking this week, oh, I love this passage. It's from, um, from Isaiah 6. Uh, it's such a cool, uh, just a cool passage. It's a picture of heaven, but kind of listen to this. Uh, with me, and I want you to look at look through that lens of like as as we start adoring and hallowing God, His presence is recognized in our lives. Listen to this, Isaiah six one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphim or angels or that kind of thing. Each of them had six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds of the temple shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. And this is, this is Isaiah's response. He says, woe to me, I cried. For I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I love, live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Love this passage, by the way. So cool. Snapshot of heaven. But I want you to look. Let me just kind of walk through it. I want you to notice the order of things. First of all, there's these six winged creature thingies that are flying around the throne. Again, it's imagery of heaven. It says, with two other wings, they're covering their faces because God is too holy, too magnificent, too perfect for them to look at. So they're covering their eyes. Like, I can't even, I can't even take his, how amazing God is. With two, they're covering their feet, which is a symbol of uncleanness. It's a picture of I'm unclean. And again, in the presence of God, they're saying, man, he is God and I am not. He is clean and I am not. Right. So they're covering their faces. They're covering their feet. With two, they're flying around and they're proclaiming their hallowing God in this. And they're proclaiming he is holy, holy, holy God, right? He's, he's holy. He's too perfect. He's too amazing. They say it three times because it's a, a picture of fullness. He's more holy than could just say it one time, right? There's like, holy, holy. He's amazing. He's perfect. He's totally different and set apart. He's better and stronger and more magnificent than we could possibly imagine. And, and as they proclaim, as they hallow God, as they hallow God, I should say, as they hallow God, all of a sudden it says the temple's filled with smoke. It's a picture of the presence of God. And Isaiah says, woe to me. Woe. He says, I am, I am unclean is what he's saying, right? And I live amongst the people that are unclean. And my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. What happens as God's name is hallowed and recognized a little bit more for who he is as he's worshipped and adored and lifted up as, as eyes move off of their problems onto Onto who God is, all of a sudden God makes his presence known. Now, was God's presence there before? Was God's presence there before? Absolutely. 
God is everywhere. He's not confined by one little spot. Like, he's here today and tomorrow he'll be there. And No, he's everywhere, right? He's outside of space and time. He is everywhere at all times. He's got, I mean, yeah, is that mind-boggling? Is that jaw-dropping? Yeah, don't try and figure that out. It's, it's, it's crazy. But he's God, right? That's the point of, I mean, he's just bigger than us. He's different from us. He's already there. But, we, but so often we go through our days and through our lives and we are just unaware of his presence. We're un- He's there, but we don't see him. He's there, but we don't know. He's there, but we don't walk with him. So Jesus says, man, when you start praying, would you lift your eyes? Would you, first four lines, would you lift your eyes? Would you put them on God and remember who it is that you worship? Remember who he is. Even just... Do we understand fully? No, because he's God. He's bigger and better than we can imagine. But as much as our finite minds can grasp it, spend a few minutes just praising God for who he is. God, you are holy. You are awesome. You're amazing. You're good. Your love, your, your thoughts are bigger than my thoughts. Your ways are beyond my ways. Your power is jaw-dropping. You're able to do immeasurably more than we can even imagine or dream up. You are big and powerful and strong, and it's the very same time you're Papa, and you're good, and you're loving, and you're present, and you care. And as we start lifting our eyes and praising God, suddenly we too become aware. It's not just an intellectual concept, but that that God is present with us right here. And suddenly we can know his peace and his presence and his power, his comfort in ways that we couldn't have just moments before. This happens to me all the time. We're all, again, I'll, I'll be carrying, I, sometimes I don't even know it, but I'll be carrying around weight and stress because I feel like I have to figure it all out. I gotta control things and I gotta go do and do, 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 you know, gotta take care of all this kind of stuff. And I, I, I start, and, and suddenly I'll notice, and I'll be like, man, I can feel the stress in my stomach. I can feel this weight on my shoulders. And I'll, I'll just, in a moment, raise my eyes to God, right? Just in, internally even, just be like, oh. And you turn Godward and you start thinking on him and praying to him and suddenly the weight drops off and his peace and his presence rushes in and we're aware of his presence. We can live and experience relationship with him. It's the good stuff. You with me? Yeah. All right. So that's the first one. I mean, we become aware of his presence. Oh, yeah, this is great. This is Henry Nowen's quote. Henry Nowen uh, once asked Mother Teresa, again, kind of two power, powerhouses, spiritual direction. This is what she said. She said, spend an hour each day in adoration and in hallowing and worshiping of your Lord, she said, and never do anything you know is wrong. She said, follow this and you'll be fine. And Nowen writes this. He says, such simple yet profound advice. Worship is the act of, abandon, of the abandoned heart adoring its God. It's the union that we crave. Few of us experience anything like this on a regular basis, let alone for an hour each day. But it is what we need, he says. Isn't that great? It's what we crave. It's what we need. And as we worship, as we draw our eyes and our hearts to him, uh, suddenly we recognize his presence there. Hallowed be your name. You are holy. Second thing, 
uh, is, is as we, when we start praying and we start with God, it emboldens our prayer. Going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, suddenly we remember that we are serving and praying and crying out to God that can do anything. He, he speaks and it is done, right? He's, he's a big God. He is able and often willing to answer our prayers. I shared these quotes last week, but I'm going to share them again because they're a great couple of them. Corey Tenboom says, the wonderful thing about praying is that you leave the world of not being able to do something and you enter into God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. Isn't that a great quote? Something we lift our eyes and we enter into God's realm and we remember he is able Second quote, right? This is says, our prayers invoke the living power of God. We're not praying to a distant, uninvolved, hard to please God. We're praying to a loving, caring, and personal God who calls us friend and calls us son or daughter. When we start with God and we hallow his name, so to speak, we remember that we're praying to the healer that we're praying to the provider, that we're praying to our maker, the one who has conquered death forever, the one who holds all things in his hand. Nothing is beyond his purview. Nothing is impossible for him. And so he bids us to come and ask, to come to him in prayer. Does this mean he'll answer and he'll do whatever we want him to do? No. You want to know why? Because he's holy. Part of him being holy means he's, he's seeing the big picture and we don't. Right? Some of that is just his plans and his, I mean, the map he's working off of is so much bigger than ours, we can't see it right now. Some of it is that we're looking through finite time, and sometimes the answer's coming, but it's not yet. I mean, I, we were talking about this at one of our uh, leadership meetings yesterday, just talking about the, the, the crazy thing. I mean, even Jesus got a no from the Father in prayer. <clears throat> Right? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying and crying out, God, if there is another way besides going to the cross, right? If there's, if there's a plan B that we can do, that we can bring your people back, that we can atone for sin, if there's a plan B, let's do it, right? Let's, let's go in that direction, yet not as I will, but as you will, he prays. And you know what the Father's answer was? No, there's not another way. This is the only way. And so he wrestled. He went back to the father again. And again, he had his friends. He said, man, could you pray with me? Could you keep watch? My soul is overwhelmed. Would you pray with me? And even to Jesus, the perfect son, part of God himself, the answer the father said was no. And sometimes he says no to us too. And it's heartbreaking. And we're tempted to give up on prayer. We're tempted to say, no, I'm just going uh, to do it on my own. And yet, if we're honest, we have, we have to admit, we have to recognize, if we're honest, we need him. To where else are we going to go? God, you have the words of eternal life. To where else are we going to go? We need you. You are holy. You're different from us. If it was me, I'd have answered the prayer. I'd have said, okay, Jesus, don't do it. Right? I, I wouldn't choose that path. But God is holy. He's separate. He's bigger. He's all-knowing, all-wise. He is working out his good and perfect will and plans for you, even if you can't see it, even if you're still waiting. And for many of us, 
we are still waiting, right? There's some of those persons, like, I don't get it. But one day, all will be made right. And we'll see it, and we'll know. We'll experience it in our lives. Got a little bit off task, but I'll come back. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. Go, going back to that slide, if you would. Uh, I've got a couple more scriptures. Part of us hallowing God and, and learning to kind of come and re-engage with God again and set our eyes back on him and remember and starting with God, remembering who he is, is it emboldens our prayer. Even if, we, even if we've been burnt before or we're confused, where else are we going to go? So he says, come back to me. Set your eyes on me. Remember who it is that you're praying to and bring your requests, bring your big, audacious prayers, and come. This is straight from the lips of Jesus, right? He says, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. Keep coming back repeatedly. He's saying, knock, and keep knocking. Ask, and keep asking, and I'll answer. Uh, next one, John, four, uh, go back. John 14, Jesus says, then I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You can ask me for anything and I'll do it. Now again, is that in our timetable? Is that in our time? Ask anything in my name. He says, according to my plans, according to my will, and I'll do it. Uh, Matthew 7, uh, verse, verse 9 through 11 says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if you ask for fish, will give him a snake? He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We pray to a God, friends, that delights in answering. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. A God that can heal, a God that can provide, a God that can restore relationships, open doors that nobody else can, and on and on and on. A Father that loves to give good gifts to his kids. Sometimes he says no for your sake, but often he says yes. He's willing and he's able. And always he makes his presence available to you and to me. He bids us to come and to draw close, to come into relationship to the God who loves you, who is for you and who is with you. I wonder if some of us here today need to have our faith stirred up again. If we need to fix our eyes on the one who is holy, 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 and remember that he can and he does answer prayer. Faith is the moment that we stop trying to fix it and take control for ourselves and actually turn to him in prayer. And I wonder if some of us today just need to say, you know what, it's time for me to learn to pray, to quit trying to control and fix and do it all ourselves. And when we just stop for a minute, as we get up in the morning, would you just stop? Would you go to your knees? Would you turn Godward and pray? Right? Start with him. Start by praising and adoring and hallowing God for who he is. And then would you bring your request to him? No request is too big or too small for the living God. Would you just come to him and ask? Would you come to him with your knee? You can say anything you want. Whatever's true, right? Whatever's going on. God, I'm lonely. God, I'm broke. God, I need a job. My marriage is in shambles. My kids are wandering from you. My roommate is far from you and desperately needs Jesus. God, I'm addicted to this or to that. I desperately need freedom. Would you bust in? Would you work? Would you heal? Would you restore? Would you resurrect? Would you bring your power to bear in our lives? Would you start with God, but then bring whatever's on your heart to him? Maybe what God's saying to you today is <laughs> he just wants to draw you close. Don't forget all of this is in the context of relationship. 
relationship. Maybe God's just saying, man, I know you want this and this and this and this and this, but you know what I want for you more than any of that? I want you to know my love and my presence and my power in your life. Would you just draw near? Let me love on you and rejoice over you and delight in you. You matter to me so much. Let me speak to you my words of love. Jesus says, when you come to me, pray like this. Pray, our Father, our Father in heaven, holy, hallowed be your name. Let's close in prayer. Father, you are a good God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness and your desires. Thank you for your power and that you are working out a big and glorious plan. And God, I pray that you, had, I don't know, that you would open our eyes, that you would stretch um, our understanding of your greatness and your vastness. That as a people, we would learn to fix our eyes on you. That we would worship and delight and glory in who you are. I pray that you would increase and we would decrease in our eyes. day after day after day, maybe even just taking 10 or 15 minutes a day, that you quiet our hearts and we go into that quiet place and we pray to you, our Father, but also the one that is holy. I pray that we could recognize and know and live in and bask in your presence moment by moment throughout our days, throughout our weeks, throughout our years, and that we'd be quick to bring our requests to you. God, we need you. We lift all these things up to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.